budget debates now heating up in Congress are like a relationship. It's complicated, you might say. None of it indicates a broad consensus or offers a lot of hope for resolution anytime soon, but they are talking. Joining me with the latest, Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. And it looks like, Lauren, this is going to be a, possibly a pivotal or at least an important week. Absolutely. We've seen a lot of voting starting to happen on appropriations bills, which is somewhat unusual for this early in the year. But House appropriators, even without any sort of top-line budget agreement with their counterparts in the Senate or with the administration, have started to write and act on their spending bills for fiscal 2020, which starts October 1st, trying to lay the groundwork and get through these important pieces of legislation to at least make progress while the talks begin to happen or get more uh, detailed and in earnest as the rest of the year goes on on those top-line spending figures. But what we've seen so far is appropriators approve three of their spending bills through full committee, another one through subcommittee, and then plans to act on three more in subcommittee this week at least. So by the end of this week, we could have details on seven of the 12 proposals from House Democrats, um, giving some indication of what they want to do with the process, um, even if we don't have clarity yet, clarity yet on where this is all going. Will these bills likely to have just Democratic votes, or is there any Republican support whatsoever? The pattern we've seen so far is mostly party line votes. I think we had one crossover on the military construction veteran affairs bills where a Republican did side with the Democrats to send that one out of full committee. When the subcommittees have been voting on these, we tend to just see a voice vote. So they aren't necessarily taking role, um, but there's just an indication there of, okay, let's send this to full committee and we'll have a broader debate there. Many Republicans have said that they don't disagree with many of the elements of these bills and may even support some of the funding levels or some of the policy priorities in there, or at least the lack of riders that they would find objectionable. But they're not siding with the bills yet, in part because there's not yet a full year spending agreement in place, or um, if there is language in there that they just can't countenance right now, they'll be objecting to that. So we'll see as some of these other bills come out. The defense spending bill is one of the ones we'll see come out of subcommittee this week. You could see that one getting maybe some Republican support, although there's still disagreement on just how much should be in that bill as part of the larger national defense spending package. Yes, from what I saw of the Republican version and the Democratic version, you know, weeks back of the defense bill, they weren't that far apart. And I think philosophically, they weren't all that far apart either. Right. I mean, what we've been talking about is about $733 billion is what the Democrats are proposing across all the national defense spending, which is broader than just the defense spending bill, whereas Republicans are aiming for $750 billion, so not a huge gap there. Um, the administration has wanted $750 billion as well, although it wanted to put a lot of that money in the overseas contingency operations account, keeping the spending cap in place, that lower spending cap that would be in place for fiscal 2020 without action, but adding money to the kitty by putting it into those OCO accounts. So it remains to be seen which one of those two numbers will win and what sort of split there's going to be between um, the regular base funds and the OCO funds. But that's something that will continue to play out as these um, as these talks really continue or begin in earnest, because Nancy Pelosi last week said that there weren't really talks going on that she knew of. But um, we're, we're hoping at least, or many people are hoping that behind the scenes, there's some action on this to try and push it. 
it forward. Well, if I read the Bloomberg calendar correctly, it looks like the markup will be happening in closed session on the House side of the DOD bill. That's correct. And that happens a lot of times with the subcommittee level where they get in a closed room and talk about all the numbers that we can see and the ones we can't because there are some classified amounts that are attached to the DOD spending bill that we're not allowed to see as the general public um, because it funds you know, intelligence programs and, and things that the general public don't know about. But that's pretty standard operating procedure. We'll see a full committee markup that will be open to all. Um, whether that's this week or next week, we'll be keeping an eye out for that timing. We're speaking with Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. And on that bill and the other civilian agency bills that are coming up in the House this week, what about the, the, the Senate side, which would probably have a totally different perspective? That sounds like would be the real reconciliation battle at some point down the line. At some point, there will be. They have yet to begin marking up their bills in the Senate, and that will be an important indication. What top line number do they use and what approach do they take to writing those bills? Now, in years past, we've seen the Senate bills have much more bipartisan support coming out of committee, um, sometimes even 30 to 1 or unanimous votes coming out of the Senate Appropriations Committee. So we'll be watching to see when they begin announcing their markups and how that begins to play out. Um, but they have taken a slower approach so far in the Senate without beginning to mark up bills. And remind us how the whole budget reconciliation, the whole sequestration, I should say, debate comes into this and the top line level for civilian and military combined. There's really no final congressional theory on that one yet. No, there isn't. And that's what some Democrats were hoping for, to get a top-line spending agreement early in the year to make this spending process go more smoothly. Without that, um, the House and Senate can write bills and pass them with virtually any amount of money they want. But at some point, these spending caps become reality. And if Congress appropriates a dollar more than the spending caps allow, those funds would be sequestered to ensure that the spending doesn't go above those caps. Now, there isn't an agreement yet on whether to raise the caps and by how much. Um, there seems to be a general agreement on Capitol Hill, at least, that those caps should be raised. But we're seeing you know, in, in other publications that the administration is still reluctant to raise the caps. Their budget proposal had the caps in place where they would be under law without any sort of change, using OCO to, to add funds to defense. But they seem to be reluctant, and if they dig in on that, won't be seeking any sort of increase to the spending caps. So um, that's what makes the, the kind of writing of appropriations bills without an agreed-upon top-line number a little bit of a risky proposition because you're allocating funds that may not be there in the end. Although, if the last few go-rounds on this are any sort of indication, there will be an agreement at some point to, to increase those caps. And meanwhile, in the Senate this week, it looks like they're going to be looking at nominations also again. A few That's of these have come out of the chute lately. Yeah, they've really increased the pace here. They made a change to their procedures a few weeks ago to reduce the amount of time after they invoke cloture or limit debate on a nomination. There's only two hours on most of them when they're district court nominations and um, sub-cabinet positions in the executive branch. So whereas you could lose a whole week going through four nominations in the Senate, now they're getting through them a little more quickly. Um, we're going to see several more judges on the floor this week, including for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is one that Republicans often say is too liberal and want to change the dynamics of, and every Trump appointee on there would change the dynamics there. Um, we'll also see the Undersecretary of State for Management get a vote probably later in the week, but that's going to take up most of the floor action in the Senate this week.
And back to the House, they're also looking at health care provisions. And it sounds like something that would be in a democratic context. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a package this week on the floor that would pair some bipartisan drug legislation, which is an area where we think could be some consensus between the White House and Congress, even with the partisan divides, on doing something on drug pricing. But the Democrats are taking that bill and packaging it with several Democratic proposals around the Affordable Care Act. One would ban short-term plans that Democrats call junk plans, but that the administration have said give healthcare consumers more options and other changes that would put more money into Obamacare style programs. So um, Republicans have said, have criticized this move, saying they'd like to support the drug package, but they can't do it with the other proposals in there and saying that that threatens any chance of floor action on the drug pricing bills in the Senate. So an interesting dynamic playing out there. And also the House is taking up a kind of smaller health care issue, but one very important to veterans who served in the Vietnam era on ships offshore that would give them expedited benefits. This is something where there's been bipartisan support, although it's often fallen on the rocks of people who are concerned about how much this would cost. Um, but that's a bill we're likely to see a vote on this week as well for these blue water Navy vets, as they're called. Yeah, so a busy week. Absolutely. We're really getting in the heat of the session here. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. As always, thanks so much for that update. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Listen to the Federal Drive on demand by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Pop quiz. What can you buy for three ninety nine? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month. And you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. SMS text, 1118 AM. Hey girl, emergency. You wouldn't believe what just happened. Are you at your desk? I rip my skirt and like half my tush is hanging out. Third floor bathroom, please help. LOL. When you send messages on SMS, someone else could be reading them. With end-to-end -end encryption, WhatsApp ensures that your personal messages are your personal messages. WhatsApp. Always message privately.